This episode of Fermented Adventure the Podcast is sponsored by Brewskits, handcrafted dog treats made from spent beer grains, oats, barley, and rye. No chemical preservatives, a great source of fiber, and packed with protein. Visit brewskits.com to see the full selection of treats for your dog and your cat. Receive 15% off your first order by typing in two important words, Fermented Adventure, at checkout. Cheers! Ladies and gentlemen, craft spirit enthusiasts, and those interested in the intoxicating world of craft distilleries, cideries, meaderies, wineries, and the occasional foray into breweries. It's Rich Shane, and welcome to Fermented Adventure, the podcast, where we bring you the fascinating people that are making the mash, fermenting, distilling, bottling, pouring, and delivering to you some of the finest libations in the world. Before we get started, here are a few housekeeping items. Thank you for bringing the podcast into wherever you are and whatever you're doing. We truly are grateful that you've chosen to listen and make us part of your day. It would mean the world to us if you left a five-star review. This helps us climb in the rankings and it makes it easier for others to find us. Don't hesitate to leave us your comments as well. If the podcast didn't meet your expectations, tell us why. We're always striving to improve. You can find us at fermentedadventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at fermentedadventure at gmail.com. All right, FA Nation, let's meet our guests. She's Kim Bard. He's Tom Bard. I'm Rich Shane. Dawn Ranieri's here. And this is Fermented Adventure, the podcast. Kim and Tom, welcome to the podcast. We are at the Bard Distillery in Graham, Kentucky. That's it? Correct. How did all this get started? Oh, good Lord. Uh, <laughs> that is a very long story, and you certainly don't have enough time, but we'll, we'll go we're gonna make we We're going to make the, all the, for you guys, we're going to make all the time. That's all right. fine. All right. All right. Well, I guess it started when uh, he and I met, um, God, even what year was it? Oh, five. Oh, five. Um, he, he walked into my race shop, I call it mine, over in Eddyville, Kentucky, and I went back to the uh, team manager's office, and I said, I don't know who he is. Or what he wants, but hire him. But hire him. Hire him. Okay, so it, you were smitten. <laughs> I was. He. I walked into the office area. He had just walked in to do an interview, and he smiled at me and flashed his baby blues and said hi. And that was all he had to say. I heard the deep voice, and I melted and walked away. And then a few minutes later, you're planning a distillery. Yeah, that's exactly how it happened. <laughs> almost, almost entirely. Yeah. Well, we, you know, like you said, we met in racing, and then that uh, that went on for a few more years until uh, we finally decided that was a career choice to that we needed to change. But the next year, in 2006, uh, we ended up up here in Kentucky with a with a day off. So we decided, hey, why don't we go to a distillery? Never been to one. Uh, and Maker's Mark was the one that we chose. So we drove into Maker's Mark, uh, and as big as it is now, uh, we thought it was big then, uh, but it was actually fairly tiny. So we, we walked in there and uh, went on a tour. Loved everything about it. When we left there, we were in love with the whole industry. Now, you know, we both enjoy bourbon, uh, especially then, but it wasn't a, a mainstay in our lives. But when we left there, we couldn't stop talking about it. We loved the smells, the sights, the sounds, the people, loved everything. Um, so since we couldn't get it out of our mind, it just continued to crop up all the time in conversation for years and years. So even through other uh, careers that we had, we could never shake the idea. Um, so finally in 2015, we uh, took the plunge and bought this place that we are right now. And then in uh, 2016 and 2017 respectively, we quit our jobs. And then in 2019, we opened up. 
Now, there's so much there that you said because we've taken a tour of your facility and we are literally at the school, Tom, that you spent the first six years of your life at, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I was wondering as you took us through what your reflections must be as being a kid and thinking, I'm going to be back here someday and, <laughs> and I'm going to be making alcohol. Yeah. And yeah. we're going to take people through this place and I'm going to be able to say, yeah, I was over there. And all the stories that must be, all the old experiences of being here that must be going through your head sometimes. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, as a kindergartner, all I can think of, man, that'd be a great spot to put a still. Exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, will, I will say that... Uh, I always loved these buildings, um, so they've been abandoned for quite a while, and I wanted to do something with it because, like a lot of folks in the community, I could stand the fact of seeing them, uh, you know, go into decay. But even after we bought it and came in here and started working, we spent years. It's amazing how we had such tunnel vision of what we were trying to accomplish that I didn't think about my old memories very much when we started. Uh, the the memories of being here as a kid that have really hit me have happened in these odd times where we've been working in a section for weeks trying to clean it up and shore it up and make sure it's ready for later and then I'll stop eating a sandwich at lunch and then it hits me and suddenly I'm seven years old again and all the memories of that room come back and things that happen and people uh, so it hits me in little odd moments as I'm going around here and suddenly I'm transported you know, 30, 40 years back in time. Now, I want to clarify something you said. You said you both came back here to Kentucky. Mm -hmm. Tom, you have grown up here. Kim, where was it that you grew up? Because Bard has a connection, as I understand it, to Bardstown. Correct. So your family has a long history here. But just even for you, did you grow up in Kentucky or not? No, I'm a okay. Florida girl. <laughs> oh, oh, you're from Florida. Well, that makes the whole story even different. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, grew up in Florida and um, moved to North Carolina uh, years ago, and that's how we met. Okay, so this going to Kentucky, that was not part of the big dream and plan Never when you were in mind. sixth grade no. and all those things, no. right? No, I am not. I have to be where it's about 70, 75, 80 degrees, and this is not it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right now it's 60 degrees outside, and, and to ask her, we're in Antarctica. It, yeah, it's, it's cold. Yeah, yeah she's, she's near death right now. Yeah. But for the both of you, you had not ever been to a distillery before? No. Never? No, not until no. 2006. No. But there's, I mean, there's plenty of drinking that goes on in Florida. Mm -hmm. yes. There's plenty of heritage mm -hmm. sipping that goes on in Kentucky. Right. Mm -hmm. But... That, that never was part of the family for you or never the experience? No, the, the funny, See, that surprises yeah, me, and, yeah. and that's really interesting. Yeah, the funny thing about our family, of course, uh, you know, the little bit more history is that Bardstown was founded by my fourth great-grandfather, William Bard. If you go to Bardstown and you're looking at the historical marker there in the center of town, William Bard is the first name mentioned. He and his brother David founded the town back around 1780. Um, and my grandfather moved into the town, raised a family. His son moved here to Muhlenberg in the 1820s, about 200 years ago. We've been here ever since. We've joked about it in the family over the years that our name is on nearly every bottle of bourbon ever made, but we've never made a damn drop. Now, that was just something to joke about, but we never put much more thought into it than that, that, yes, the, we're the, the bards of Bardstown, but we've never been involved in the industry as far as I'm aware. Um, so, yeah, it was never a part of it. And also talking about how big of a part of Kentucky that bourbon and spirits is, I've never been to the Kentucky Derby either. Uh, and it's right up the road. has been my entire life. Haven't made it. And I think it's a situation where when you live in an area and something is so saturated, uh, this whole area is known for its bourbon, it's known for its horses, a lot of times the people who grew up in that area are like, okay, I'm sick of bourbon and horses. Um, and then only as you get older do you really start to appreciate it. It's like 
were from outside of Philadelphia, mm-hmm. but everybody wants to come and see the Liberty Bell. Right. And it becomes one of those things where uh, not, not too many of the locals do it, but when the tourists come in. Right. It's like Rocky when he's up on top of the, the stairs. <laughs> he said, you know, I, I, I've been running up and down these stairs this whole time. I never knew there was any art in that building, <laughs> which, right. was kind of, which was kind of a knock on the, uh, the whole art commission there because uh-huh. they wouldn't let him keep his statue there. Uh, but that's okay. kind of what that is. I'm, I'm fascinated by the idea that this is not, you know, it wasn't like, you know, you grew up with a love of bourbon and whiskey and moonshine and all these things, but then you find yourself, this is your distillery and this is what you're doing. Yeah. We were just at Maker's Mark, which is kind of mm-hmm. cool that that was the last distillery we have been to yeah. in this trip. Oh, cool. Coming here. Yeah. Yeah. So five years later, it's neat to see even the changes sure. that they've made. Mm-hmm. But it, it became for you from what I'm hearing that it's more romanticized it, that, that there's such a connection what what were some of the conversations about how that inspired you guys well Tom and I love anything that's mechanical or, or machinery made and for me um, the smells and the sounds when we walked in where, where they're fermenting in those giant uh, uh, cypress vats to me it was so earthy that's our ice machine, by okay, the way. Okay, good. Uh, We're making ice. <laughs> yeah. It was so earthy, and you know, we could stick our fingers in the in the cereal and taste it, and it was just such a magical moment. Every sense gets taken care of at a distillery, if you think about it. Yes. Um, especially if you're welcome when you come in the door. And you know, going back around to this place real quick, when people that they walk in the door and say, "I went to school here," and the first thing I say is, "Welcome home," because they want they want to see this place thrive and come back and live again because it's been dead for so long. Maker's Mark did that for us. We we just felt like it was something that we really wanted to do when we left. Yeah, it was uh, so when, when you, like you said, when you think about us being from Kentucky and part of the Bardstown heritage and we have a distillery, you think, well, of course, naturally they would. Uh, but we have this distillery for the same reason that a lot of people start distilleries or the same reason that people just love bourbon in general. Uh, we just fell in love with everything about it. Uh, so it, it wasn't it wasn't in our DNA per se. Uh, we're we're fans like everybody else. I do have a question for you. Wasn't your I like when I like when the, this is the first time a guest asks a question, Kim. Yeah, so I, this is great. Did, didn't Isaac Bard get paid in bourbon when he was well when he lived here? I don't. Well, yes, he was he was a he was a minister. <laughs> minister. Uh, he was a minister, and he would uh, travel a lot in Western Kentucky. And back then, uh, for a lot of folks, uh, whiskey was legal tender. I mean, that's all they had. Uh, and the good thing about traveling with whiskey is that you could take it anywhere and barter for about anything else. We're talking pre-Civil War era especially. Uh, so yes, uh, there's, there's very, very good indication that uh, he, although he was against, uh, against uh, liquor, uh, as most uh, Presbyterian ministers were at the time, uh, there is evidence that he was most likely paid in it every now and then. He wasn't against making a living. Correct. Correct. He was against the consumption exactly. of the spirit. Exactly. He, he, that's exactly right. He understood the value of it, uh, but didn't necessarily approve of it. And that's the conundrum in the Bible Belt. Um, the drinking is, not, is frowned upon, but providing jobs in your community is not. So if this is the, the means to an end, then it's understood. I understand. That makes sense to me. How does... A couple from Florida, Kentucky, by way of North Carolina in certain aspects, 
how do you learn how to distill if you don't have that experience? What processes did you use? Well, we uh, our, our background, like she said, is very mechanical, her being a, a race car driver, but also she's a, uh, she has a master's degree. She's uh, been and a, a world famous race car driver, by the way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> world renowned. I don't look at it that way, but yeah. Uh, so, so, so that's so that's her. You know, that's been her passion and her career for quite a while. But also, she was in education uh, and as an administrator and as a teacher. Uh, so, you know, learn. so that we're back in a school. Yeah, that connects that as well. Uh-huh. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And me, I'm a mechanical engineer, uh, graduated from the University of Kentucky uh, with my engineering degree. So we just, when it comes to just learning something new, we have a basis of, again, not really specific knowledge, but we know how to learn things. And I who guess. to talk to and who to hang out with and who Basically. to visit with and how to ask the questions, you know, can we come by, are you doing a distillation anytime soon? So we basically became friends with everyone that never knew us, but... What were some of those conversations? Because I'm curious to where you're now approaching distillers and distilleries, Mm -hmm. and you're saying, we want to do this? It sounds like they were very welcoming and open to you. Absolutely. But even for you, I mean, you're you're ramping up. There's a whole world of things to learn, Mm -hmm. and there's equipment to buy. And you're still expanding now in in more equipment Mm -hmm. as you've gotten that base of production down. Mm -hmm. Now we'll talk about how you're going to go to the next level. Well, who were some of those conversations with, or do you, you know, what were some of those, just the details of some of those conversations? Um, it basically started out um, with local folks, uh, people that we knew in the industry by way of you know, going to uh, ACSA conventions. And I'll interject, right? Sure. The very first person we met in the industry at all uh, was actually giving the tours at Maker's Mark at the time. His name was Dave Pudlow. Um, and he was just such a good tour guide and so knowledgeable and so so exciting uh just such an exciting man to have your first tour with uh that he himself offered up a lot of information i think we actually he gave us his business card and we actually called him and just asked him a few quick questions um so even he the you know Mm -hmm. who was giving the tours gave us a lot of insight into who to talk to and where to where to go and, and where to look but after that, it was just lots of research. It was reading magazines. It was finding things on TV. If you ran across a documentary, you watch it. Um, but then once we started communicating with folks at American Craft Spirits Association, mm-hmm. uh, that's when it really opened up. Um, and yeah, I'll just let it back to you now, but I just wanna say the very first person we ever met, mm-hmm. uh, they've been offering up information mm-hmm. for free. Well, I went to ACSA, um, I went to the fly-in a few years ago when we were uh, trying to get the FET uh, reduction passed. And I was, we didn't even have a distillery. We had property. We were still cutting away vines to get in some of these buildings at the time. Okay. When she went to represent us in Washington, D.C. And from the moment I got to the hotel, uh, we had our evening meet and greet. And there I was looking around at the people who I knew in the industry. Um, Lisa Wicker, um, Jake Holshue, Colton Weinstein. um, Oh, my gosh. Brian Christensen, Mark Mark Schilling. Schilling. I mean... Uh, Margie Learman, all these people that I knew of but had never met. And so I just listened and, and they introduced me around and uh, P.T. Wood, you were there too. Um, <laughs> so they just welcomed me into the fold and walked with me to Capitol Hill and talked the whole way and asked a lot of questions. And I said a lot of nothing because I just listened and I kept texting Tom and saying my brain is about to explode because they would ask a question to see where we were because they knew that we were going to open a distillery but didn't have anything yet. 
but the welcoming and the the including me in conversations and I didn't have half of a clue we'd been looking at it and studying it but I really didn't know I hadn't done the process enough to understand it but they made me feel like I'd been doing it forever and they included me in their conversations and if they knew I didn't know what they were talking about they explained the background like you know like oh Kim by the way this is what we're talking about and they did that the entire time we were there and then afterwards we can call those people make great friends with them and it's just been incredible I mean I don't know another industry that you could walk into where people who are actually your competitors you know so to speak help you get started and it's such a culture of learning and and mentorship in this industry that I haven't seen in others which when you speak to people in this industry and that's going back to you know go back to Bardstown mm -hmm. and go back to the central eastern side of Kentucky they're all they've always helped each other out somebody there still went down mm -hmm. something went down right. there was always something to borrow and mm -hmm. just be able to share and I think that's the heritage that continues to resonate mm -hmm. by our wondering right now is you're the farthest west western distillery uh, at least on the bourbon trail is that the way it is now i, I believe so there's basically over on here, the craft trail yeah on the craft trail where you have us and casey jones distillery and mb rolling kind of in a small circle um as far as you know i think we're the farthest. yeah we may be the farthest west by by a little bit but yeah we're kind of all all three in the same little boat over here what was it like the first time for you to turn your still on or to start fermenting the whole process. <laughs> what was that like the first time you did it? In the gymnasium? Mm -hmm. I mean, to yeah. see, the, first of all, if you haven't been to the bar, and I will tell you, we have been going, we started in Eastern Kentucky, we've been working our way through, and you know, you know the, the, the simple questions, uh, you know, what are you doing here? You're doing the bourbon trail. And you know, we would say, yeah, and on Monday we'll be at the bar. We need to help put your name on the map a little bit more. A lot of people haven't heard of you yet, right. but they will. And uh, you know, from that standpoint, with with just this building, I'm, I'm, I can't wait. I'm in love with this building and your ideas already. But you know, the still is on the. Uh, you got the whole still going on on where the uh, where where the, the stage, the stage, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And I'm picturing like old all, all these old plays, or yeah. you yeah. know, you know, those when when you all had to go in for the uh, the assemblies. Mm -hmm. You know, the chairs lined up That's and. It. Or graduation, yeah. yeah. Wow. And his dad sung on the stage when he was how old? Well, my, my dad uh, was known. Uh, he, he was a very good uh, singer, very good gospel singer in this area. Uh, and the first time he ever sang in public was on this little stage right here when he was a little kid. Uh, pro actually, probably the first time I ever sang in public was on that little stage. Uh, talent shows, um, you name it. When I, I think when I graduated from fifth grade, I walked up on that little stage. So yeah, lots of. It, it was surreal when I first cranked those steels up, and it actually started heating up, and I could hear the, you know, hear things going on in there. And of course, you have a few hours to just sit there and stare at it and think. And that was probably one of those moments, like you asked about earlier, uh, when I'm sitting there in the silence, listening to those steels heat up, and then I'm looking out at the gymnasium from the stage. Uh, that was interesting. That was a that was an interesting feeling, because uh, suddenly I was a, I was a little bitty kid up here start, starting up my steels. It was it was interesting. When did you have a sense that you were on the right track or those aha moments for you where it resonated that this is exactly the path that you were right to be on? I guess for me, when we really started to get a feel that, hey, we haven't made it complete 
<laughs> total mistake was <laughs> when we when we opened our doors for the first time, which is only about a week before Christmas of 2019, and right we, before the pandemic, right before the way. pandemic hit is when we opened. But uh, we opened our doors uh, in this little gymnasium, and uh, we were selling a product that we didn't we didn't distill it. Now we did everything else. We we decided the blend. We had aged the barrels, but it, it was a source bourbon, and. Uh, it was also a premium bourbon. It was $110 a bottle. So here we are, brand new. No one knows we're here. And with every one that we bottled and we're putting labels on, I'm getting, my stomach is sinking more and more. So I thought, this is this is ridiculous. This is insane. We've quit our jobs. We're in this building with no heat. Um, and here we are trying <laughs> to sell bottles to strangers for $110 a piece. And we thought, this is ridiculous. But when we opened our doors the first day, we were scared to death. And people were lined up out to the road. Um, they came in, yeah. they bought the bottles, and then they started telling their friends and coming back. Within a week, we had sold out. We're talking nearly 500 bottles mm -hmm. of, of our first product was gone in a week. Um, when that happened is when we said, hey, maybe this might be a thing, this might be a thing that we can actually do. <laughs> what you're saying is that sinking feeling did go away? It did go okay. away. It did go away. <laughs> That's reassuring because you sure. open the door and you see all those people. Yeah. Yes. And we hadn't been, we were so crazy that morning trying to make sure that we have enough people here number one if people did come who's going to check them out who's going to do all these things so i had a few friends that just wonderful volunteers that came in and we were just sprucing everything up and making sure the floors were clean and i opened the doors at about two minutes until 10. and that feeling when i saw that they were in line bodies lined up to the gates out there i, I didn't I didn't know what to say. But I will say that fear still comes back every time you release a new product. It doesn't matter how much success you <laughs> okay. have. When you go to release a new product, you have that same sinking feeling. It's like, oh, I hope they like this. Uh, was the last one a fluke? Uh, but thankfully, we've had that same response with everything we've released. Uh, and, and the best part about it is those same people keep coming back and getting more, mm -hmm. which that's that's when you really know that you're doing it right. When someone who bought the first one says, hey, that was really good. I came back for a second. Uh, that's that's when you really go, okay, we can do this. Mm -hmm. Going back to that inception part, mm -hmm. what were your discussions about, I guess, the distillery's personality? Mm -hmm. This campus is amazing, but it you're still selling distilled spirits. Mm -hmm. What were the thought processes or what were some of the discussions about what you wanted to distill, bottle? Obviously, <laughs> there are a lot of clear spirits there as well. So what were those thoughts and what were you deciding that that's how you were going to start and, and mature from there? Well, we never, ever thought we'd be selling uh, flavored whiskey. We knew we weren't going to be selling flavored moonshine. We just draw, we drew the line at that. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but it wasn't our niche. I mean, this is a 1920s school site, so we wanted to have something that was, number one, a top shelf bourbon, number two, um, that people would pay money for and feel like they're getting a good product, quality product, that kind of uh, fills in that era gap. Um, with the buildings and what we want our vision here. So um, we, we were continually asked for an apple pie moonshine and we just weren't gonna go that route. So we decided to do an apple pie whiskey, which thank goodness we did. It's, it's an, an amazing product, it's a great seller. And then we kind of ventured off into some other things, but that all basically started because we had a clear spirit that came off the still and we were like, well, it really tastes good. So let's just kind of make it as a throwaway product. 
well, that's now the base for all of our flavored stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we just we, we did kind of evolved. Yeah, what we wanted to do because we you know, our stills are tiny, um, so our production is very very limited currently. Uh, but we didn't want to just keep on uh, just putting that in barrels and keep having nothing but source product. Which again, I'm proud of the the the, the barrels that we've been able to blend together and make the products that we've made. But we had such a demand for people who wanted to come in and just have anything that we had. Uh, made from scratch here. Um, so we said, well, the only way to do that in, in the near future is to give them some young stuff. And like she said, it was kind of demand that wanted that, uh, but it's, it's been, it's done very, very well for us. For us, when we're deciding on what we want to release, what kind of products, we basically go with what do we like. Um, that, that's the best way to start with anything that you do, first of all, is, is don't do it just because, hey, I think other people will like this. Well, what do you like? You're the one that's going to be stuck doing it. Um, we, we have friends that are musicians and they'll tell you real quick, don't ever release a song that you don't like because next thing you know, it's a hit. And, and you, you have to, you have to, you have sing, to sing it, it live every day. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so we, we have that conversation mm -hmm. a lot is that don't do that. Make sure that if it goes on that shelf, it's something that we have with an open top at the house. Uh, otherwise, it does not go on that shelf at all. Um, you know, we're interested in the whole industry in all spirits. So in the future, will we make a vodka? Uh, will we make a, um, you know, some type of mezcal? Will we be making rum? Sure, I'd love to play because we love to do everything. But starting out, we just make those decisions on what do we like? What are we interested in? What have we tasted that other people have made that we enjoy and we want to make our own version of it? And uh, we always start with that is what will we take home and actually empty the bottle? Um, and that, that makes the decision making a lot easier. It also tells us when something's ready to go in the bottle, um, which is why we normally win pretty good awards for our products is because we're particular. Um, but it's not that, oh, we only want the best. No, we're particular when we're sitting at home on the couch. Um, I want something that I enjoy. So that's, that's kind of how we base everything that we release. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of those spirits. We're going to taste some of those spirits from your perspective, and we'll introduce everyone out there to the Bard. Sounds great. Awesome. We'll be right back. Brewskits, beer, grain, dog bones, brewskits. Your dog will go wild. Brewskits, beer, grain, dog bones, a healthy alternative for your pup. Brewskits are all natural and made in the USA. Visit brewskit.com. That's B R E W S C U I D.com. We're back. And we have quite a number of bottles here in front of us. I feel like this, I'm, I'm, I'm so curious about this very orange, creamy looking item. But I'm also curious about a number of things here that you put in front of us. And I want to talk to you about the labeling. Um, the, the, there's a, I want to say a, a horse on there, but it could also be a mule, right? It's, it says Carmule, mm -hmm. all right, um, apple pie mule. So I'm, I'm curious, talk about this labeling. It's so, it's so fascinating, it's so cool. Sure, well, uh, there's lots of symbolism that we like to try to put into our labels. We spend a lot of time uh, making sure that we really love what's on our bottle. Uh, but I'll go ahead and give you the short answer of why there is a mule on those mm. bottles is to help people pronounce Muhlenberg. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the county that we're in. Yeah, the county that we're so in. So you're paying homage again. You've got yes. the school. And what was the name of the school? Uh, it was Graham. Graham. Graham High School. Graham High School. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so now you're paying homage to Muhlenberg and you've got, was this actual, this mule, is this a famous mule or? It, it's famous in my family. Okay. Uh, the mule that you see on our products right now, uh, his name was John, kind of an 
original name for a mule because all male mules were called John back in the day. Uh, <laughs> I but, had no yeah. idea. So if I yeah. I can just call any mule John, you can. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, Jenny's. Yeah. Uh, so ours uh, that that was the family mule on the farm uh, back in the 1950s. And there's been a picture on my grandmother's wall, and now it's on our wall, that shows that mule with my father and his little brother uh, on that mule's back when they were kids. So I took that picture to our artist and said, I want you to make an engraving of that mule. Take the kids off, please. That's not mm-hmm. too good on a whiskey bottle. Uh, <laughs> but I would love to actually have John on our first releases of our Muhlenberg product. So, yeah, that's the family mule. Uh, and it's basically trying to get people to sound out Muhlenberg. Most people historically call it Muhlenberg County. Um, so we put a mule on it to hope they make an association. Uh, also, you'll see that we named our products uh, like our Caramule, uh, and it has that spelling with the M-U-H-L with the two little dots above the U. That is the uh, a German spelling, and the German word mule, spelled that way, actually means to mill. Uh, and we did that for a couple reasons. First of all, because it was an homage to Kim's family, who's from Germany. Uh, we didn't want everything to be Kentucky and Bard on all this stuff, because she's, she's half this team, too. So that pays homage to the German heritage as well. But to have mule spelled that way that means to mill, it differentiates what we were talking about earlier about basically the difference between a moonshine as people commonly buy it now on the shelf and a young whiskey. So ours doesn't have any sugar cane put in originally in the, in the, uh, the fermentation and distillation. It's, it's our bourbon mash. So all of our Bielenberg products uh, start out as one of the products we're going to try, the silver mule. It's the same stuff right off the still. It's just instead of putting it, putting it in the barrel, we put it in a bottle instead. These are just some flavored versions of it. But anyway, long story short, a lot of things that kind of tie in together. Uh, but basically, it's to help you pronounce Muhlenberg. Thank you very much for that help. That's great. <laughs> so you're like the Alexa of pronunciation. Yeah, exactly. But right. it's, you're the bard. That's it. Okay. Yeah. I have a question. This Muhlenberg, this orange cream liqueur, is uh, a little different. What's on that label? Uh, that well, you, you almost have to have to hit some acid to understand that one. <laughs> okay. Um, here, here's the thought it's behind like half that. Half mule and half shark or something. Uh-huh. Sure. You nailed it. Whatever you want it to be. <laughs> um, the, the story behind that is that with Kim being a Florida girl, and we we spent a lot of time in Florida and love going to the beach. And all summer long, you know, we're like everyone else. We have Mule Life shirts and Guy Harvey shirts. We like those type, type of tank tops. Salt Life shirts. Salt Life, yeah. yeah salt, salt Life shirts. Um, so we wear lots of stuff like that during the summertime. And we wanted to have a summer product. Because we, you know, we were trying to get our merch figured out. And we thought, we need tank tops for people to buy when they come in and when it's hot weather. But what are we going to put on it? And we talked about it. Well, it would be nice to have a Salt Life type shirt or something like that. But we thought, well, how do we tie that into our product? And how do we tie that into Kentucky? Because we don't have a beach. So uh, I remembered my Greek mythology. And there's a creature called the hippocampus. The hippocampus is half fish, half horse. So I said, well, let's do our little spin on that. Why don't we have someone draw up a half mule, half fish? And that's exactly what we came up with. So, so we came up with it thinking it was going to be for a T-shirt, but then we decided, you know, we've come up with this orange cream, and we want it to be our big summer seller. Why don't we put that rascal on there instead of John? Um, so there, so there you go. Well, I haven't had any yet, and I haven't had anything to drink, but there looks like there's some flying dogs in there as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, then now to tell that story, we'll jump over to this one real quick. Okay. Uh, you'll see that our, our new make whiskey right off the still and aged for one day, to call it a whiskey, in a barrel, um, it's called Silver Mule. The reason we call it a Silver Mule is because, historically, a brand new whiskey that's unaged is called a white dog. 
Well, we wanted something that would kick a white dog's ass. So we named ours Silver Mule. Um, and that's how we got that name. Well, just to kind of carry on that little, you know, that little fun with the white dog and our stuff being better than that, which, you know, total BS, but just fun to play with. <laughs> but we decided that we wanted our hippocampus creature to be coming out of the water just like on a Salt Life shirt, but he's actually biting at some little flying fish that happen to have the heads of little white dogs. So cool. Like I said, you need to drop some acid or smoke something to really look at that and go, I get it, man, I get it. All right, I get it, and I haven't done it yet. But why don't we start, why don't we start with your sure. Silver Mule whiskey? All right. And, you know, because you picked up the bottle, and that's mm -hmm. the, I guess that's where you would start. If we mm -hmm. came to the distillery today, yeah. you'd say, let's start with the base and, and, right. and where we get our beginning yeah. from. That's what we do. We either start with that when we go to all the Muhlenbergs, or sometimes we'll start with the bourbon. Actually, tell you what, let's do it this way. Let's okay. start with the bourbon first. All right. And then we'll go straight to the Silver Mule. And because all those just kind of go down in proof and kind of go together. So why is the name on that one different? Because it is a totally different uh, product, a different taste, a different everything, different style. With Cinder and Smoke, the first product we released when we opened was a 13-year sourced bourbon. Uh, we had aged the barrels for years, did our own blend on it, and uh, came up with a really stellar product that was a, a really did very, very well for us. Well, we sold out. That product's gone. Uh, there's a few barrels left of it that we continue to age. They're now 16 years old. And that'll be a product we release in the future. But uh, we named that one Cinder and Smoke because of it was in a very, very heavily charred barrel. So there's the cinder, spent a lot of years in that uh, charred wood. And then the smoke part was the nice smoky finish that that bourbon had. Uh, that would, you really taste the smoke, it would go away quickly, it wouldn't stick with you for very long. So it was kind of the, the beginning and end of how that product lived. So we thought Cinder and Smoke was a good name. Um, it's also a term I'd heard my whole life whenever something was basically, you know, used up, burnt to a crisp, and you know, a lot of, you know, there was nothing left but Cinder and Smoke. Yeah, there's a, so there's so a 13. This is the original 13 year that we released. It's kind of hard to get the name Cinder and Smoke with this bling on it, but. So, so with that That's line, a lot of bling. Yeah, it's done very well. Yeah, we also got a gold. There's a double gold from John Barleycorn as well up there. So we did did very well with it. So with that line, uh, we thought, okay, well, it can't always be 13 year, but we, there are certain elements of that product that we loved, and if we want to continue the cinder and smoke line, we want to make sure that we keep some of that in there. That way, it's always what we're striving for, at least elements of it. So with our new cinder and smoke, it's called Cinder and Smoke Founders Select. This is 100% hands-on Kim and I. Of course, everything is that we have here now, but this one, we spend extra amount of time. Every barrel that we have in our inventory, whether it's stuff that we've put down, whether it's sourced, whatever it is, if it's over four years old, we sample it every now and then to see how it's doing. If we find barrels that are really exceptional to us, we'll put it aside. What we do with this product is that we will taste all of those barrels we put aside and we will match them up three at a time. And we'll come up with three barrels that complement each other and still stick with the fabric of what the original cinder and smoke was. Um, yeah, you'll see on the label that there's a horse, uh, you know, fully standing on on three barrels. On three barrels. So that's how the symbolism. That's how we know. Right, and right? the horse is completely, you know, in flames. That's mm -hmm. that cinder and smoke part of it as well. So this one is um, there's no age statement on this, uh, and the reason we do that is that we do complete blind taste testing on this product which means that we take our samples, then we mix it up to where even we don't know, is this a four year, a six year, a 12 year, we don't know. 
don't care. It's what matches up the best. So this is our product to where we're not subscribing to the fact that, oh, it's 10 or 15 years old, it must be good. Well, that's not necessarily true. Ours is we put these barrels together because they created a very unique taste. Uh, we just released that uh, right before Christmas. Um, uh, matter of fact, we were going to release it on the day after the tornado hit us pretty hard. Uh, so we postponed it, obviously, for another week. But uh, so far, uh, we've sold well over a thousand bottles, and we are now uh, about to dump batch three in the next uh, few days. So it's doing very well for us. Now, you had mentioned something about that, Tom. You said oh, this whole bottle is something you've had your hands on. Mm-hmm. So to just understand, mm-hmm. is all this your juice? Is this a this is a, a blend or a mingling of other juices right now? Correct. Right. Right <clears throat> now, the stuff that we've been putting down isn't four yet, or the stuff we've been putting down on site right. uh, isn't four yet. Okay. Now, things that we had contract distilled years ago, or bourbons that we have acquired from other Kentucky uh, distilleries, because also this is a Kentucky straight bourbon. So everything in this product is from Kentucky. Uh, so it's just a mixture all the way around. As uh, time goes on, and we continue this, the Founder Select brand, uh, as we have some of our own stuff come of age, then that will go in the mix as well. And uh, again, we don't even know what's in it until we've already come up with what the batch is. Um, but we want it to be consistently have that cinder, the the, yeah, the, all, the all, barrel age, plus correct. the smoky finish. They all have a heavy char to begin with, and they all have a, a nice... Uh, smoky finish that doesn't linger long at all. It's really good. Thank you. Thank you. Now I have a better understanding of your personality of what you, as you said, you're at home. This is what you want to drink. Mm-hmm. This is fruity. Mm-hmm. It's cherry. It's smoky. Mm-hmm. It's It's got a nice sweet nose to it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a peanut that came in and left mm-hmm. real fast. I don't know what that was. Mm-hmm. Um some apple notes on there. This is just even, I, I've enjoyed listening just as you describe the whole process here and just nosing this because mm-hmm. the nose is just so wonderful. It is. Yeah. Yeah, I could you. see, you, you know, being a kindergartner and just sitting and, and listening to my ABCs and I'm, I'm nosing this and that's, yeah, yeah. that's where you're taking me back here. <laughs> well, good. That's, that's the best description I've heard of, of the, uh... <laughs> well, I'm, I'm that, that first sip, you get the cinder, you get that smokiness. Um, the you know it's a hundred proof, and and it, it it says hey by the way I'm I'm gonna put my hand up it's I'm a hundred proof right yeah right Absolutely. which there's still a lot of character and balance there on the proof but it doesn't burn out at least on the on the first set right and adding just a drop of distilled water to that just opens up the flavor profile even more. There's even. A sour note to this. Mm-hmm. There is. That is so. Car- I, I've not had something like that. Great palate. Yeah, he yeah, does. Absolutely. The 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 odd thing about palates is, we are we're a married couple, and everything else that we think of is completely opposite. Mm-hmm. He says one thing, I say another, and then we argue over it or you know discuss it or what what have you, and we come to a conclusion. Our palates are remarkably similar. So we'll do blind taste testings, and I'll make my notes. He'll make his notes, and they're out of order. Kim, have you heard? Have you heard our? Have you heard our podcast? Right, where no. like some of our stuff is similar, <laughs> but he has yeah. like twenty more things, to, and to um, my one or two. Yes. Well, his he has Dawn's vocabulary. Like, I taste bourbon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's that's basically the way we are, but in the opposite. I'll I'll give the uh, I love to cook, so I'll give all of the, the commentary on the things I taste. But he'll go, yeah, taste bourbony. <laughs> That is, I just, I almost like that that sourness. I'm like, this is like whiskey sour 
just for a second without having to have all those ingredients there. That's exactly that's. Yeah, you, you need to come here more often. Okay. We're just going to start sending things to you. Because All right. that's exactly... And I will gladly we're accept those. Right. <laughs> we will figure that out then. This is wonderful. Thank you. And if So right now, you're laying down your own brown spirit, your mm-hmm. own brown juice, right? Yes. What's your... What's your mash bill? I mean, you know, where are you taking that? So what, what, what's that look like? Well, for you? I'll tell you what we're actually laying down right now, and it's because our equipment is so small that we decided to stick with one particular mash bill to put down until we get the larger stills. Uh, so what we're putting down right now is actually what you're going to taste in your next products, which are the Mueller We're putting down a weeded bourbon right oh, now. Oh, now. Well, that pays homage to your Maker's Mark Correct. experience. Sure. Yes, absolutely. Uh, because that was that was kind of my first love was a, was a weeded bourbon. But uh, these being rye, uh, as soon as we get the newer stills, then we will obviously, we'll do runs of lots of rye. We know the mash bills on all of the things that we put into our cinder and smoke. Um, So we have a good idea of how we want to structure that with the rye uh, going forward. That way, when it comes out of the barrel, we can continue this taste profile that we've created. So right now, your corn, your wheat, your barley, you're going to be corn, rye, barley. Correct. In a somewhere between let's say 60 and 70 corn or is yep. it going to be a higher rye uh it'll probably that, that's about where it'll be okay. uh and some of these barrels uh that that we are putting into our cinder and smoke uh again we've sourced them from a lot of different places some are, are really high rye some are very little rye um and so we, that and again that's why we love doing this one only by taste we don't look at a profile of a barrel we purely taste but still it's that rye element in there um, and we think we've dialed in where we want ours to be when we start putting it down. Even proofing this down, there's a great mouth feel. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's a viscous feel. It sits on the tongue. You get a little bit more, I, I would say, tobacco notes to it. Mm-hmm. You get more of the, I would say, the cinder. So you're getting more of the char right. that finishes up, and this nice, warm, um, just, just warm cinnamony yes. I, I don't even feel. It doesn't even feel cinnamony. Mm-hmm. It just feels like somebody took a, a nice, warm blanket. And put it towards the back of my mouth. Wow, that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah love that. Yeah, this is I delicious. Thank you. This is delicious. That's yeah, really good. Hey, we, what I try to do, uh, and, and Kim, again, she, I heard her talk about our palates. I was going to find this water. Um, our palates are nearly identical, which is uh, amazing. Um, so one thing that I try to do before I give it to her to try out, after I've played around with it a little bit, is I always leave it at a higher proof than I actually prefer it. And I do the same thing in the bottle as well, and we both agreed to do that, That because everybody has their different taste. And I like for people to have the option of doing what they want once they top it. Now, it's fantastic right out of the bottle, but we know that a lot of people either add some water or they'll put it over ice. So we try to leave it in there to where after you add some ice to it, then it's down to where I thought it was actually fantastic. Um, a lot of our center and spoke so far, if it's in the 100 proof range, I prefer it around 94. Um, that's where I love it the most. And even then, all in the way, like a good bourbon does, you've got a different bourbon with every little proof point you're taking off with some water. Uh, so you get to really enjoy different Yeah, this is, a, this is a nice journey. I would characterize this. Take the first sip. I don't think you start at kindergarten because mm-hmm. you don't want a 100, 105 proof in kindergarten. Right. You start that at, like, middle school. Mm-hmm. Every time you proof it down, and then we get back to kindergarten. Right. Right? Exactly. So that introductory exactly. bourbon, there's so much play here with this school. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, I, so I, many things. <laughs> yep. What's, so, all right, now, we have the white spirit. Yes. Right? And that's where you wanted to go next. And I'm fascinated because this is yours. Right. This is what's coming off the still now. Yes. When you talk about, I'm, I'm 
I always say to you know we 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 go to a cidery. We go to a we we just came from CiderCon. Yes, I heard the podcast. And I'm all ready to start you know making cider. Uh, then I want to make my own mead. We right. meet people like you know where where we're sitting down here. I'm ready to stick the still in the basement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right, right. The government doesn't know where I really live, so no, that's they, okay. They don't okay. Um, but what was it for you? I mean, how did you go through your meats? How did you go through your yeast selection? Mm-hmm. And, and what's the process been? Because that's the secret, right? I'll tell you my mash bill. I'll tell you my barrels. You're not you're not getting the yeast out of me. It's under lock and key, right? Right. Yeah. And and that's what we did. The good thing about there's such good people in the industry now that you can call them up, tell them what you're wanting, and then they can dial in exactly what you're thinking. And then at the last minute, you say. But then give it more of this. They go, okay. They type it in. They give it to you. They know what they're doing. They know more. They These people forget more about yeast than I don't know in my entire life, and they forget it more in a day. So um, that's the beauty of it. You call them and tell them what, what you're looking for, and they can envision the, the flavor, which is amazing to me how that works. Um, so basically, but I, you know, as you've already hit on it, we kind of started with Maker's Mark as, as look, this was our, our first distillery that we love it's also it's a wonderful bourbon all their products are fantastic i love them uh so that was our start but then we said but if to make it our own what would we want this to be like when it comes out of our barrels um so that's exactly what you do you talk to them about it then they create the yeast now i do want to play around with uh you know collecting yeast on our farm i've already looked into that know quite a few folks who have done that Uh, we just met we were at neely okay we met with royce neely and i'll tell you what if you want to talk I mean, to me, I've met a few uh, wild yeast. Mm-hmm. You know those that collect the the ferment like that. Yep. He is just uh, so knowledgeable yeah. and so exciting to talk to about stuff yeah. like that. He's the yeast meister. Is that what they call him, the yeast <laughs> meister? Okay, all right. There you go, Royce. And, and, and it's fascinating because every and a lot of people, you know, who are just getting into this industry, and they'll come in and start asking questions. Uh, and then they'll say, so what, what's more important, the barrel or the whatever? And they'll start naming things off and say each, each of them make a big difference in what you're in product, including about a hundred other things that you didn't even mention. Uh, there's so many elements, and the yeast is one that you can concentrate solely on the selection of your yeast, and you're doing it right because it's all making a difference. Uh, people who only really focus on their barrels, good. You're going to come up with some unique stuff. Trying to understand all of the It's all, all of, of it. everybody yeah. has to play together. And then as you talked about, you're building a 7,000 barrel rickhouse mm-hmm. up in the extension of the school. And you talked about the sun comes up on one side, the sun goes down on the other. You're going to get a lot of heat in there and then it gets cold. Right. Right. And it's up on the hill. Mm-hmm. So I wonder how much air is going to play into the air movement and all those other things and pressure. And, and, and I, you touched on it, and I know you just had a tornado that came here. Mm-hmm. So I wonder how even the different pressure of what the climate here is going to do to your barrels as well. Absolutely. Um, and, and We're getting more and more tornadoes. Yeah, which is, we're not big fans of that, for sure. Uh, that's getting to be devastating. Uh, however, as far as all the things you hit on, you're exactly right. And uh, me with my engineering background, when I talk to people about all the stuff going on with this whole project, with the stills, with the distillation equipment and everything, my main focus for me, what I want to get to I mean, a few years out, is getting up to that Rick house. That's going to be my baby. Matter of fact, I may just go up there and that's where you'll find me. You'll even see me down here. <laughs> and here's, here's why. You hit on a few of the points. This Rick house... Uh, it's got about a five, six thousand foot, uh, you know, square foot footprint, and about three stories high. Um, 
and we're going to leave it open to, uh, as much as we can so we can allow a lot of airflow through it. Uh, this building was almost all windows. We're putting all those windows back. And as you mentioned, uh, the way it's situated, it gets full sun all day long, summer and winter. Uh, so it gets every bit of it. And the wind patterns are completely different up on that hill than they are down here. We're only talking, you know, a couple hundred yards walking distance, but the height elevation is incredible. So completely different wind up there. Um, and then on top of that, you have just the regular Kentucky weather, which is what makes Kentucky known for its bourbon. Uh, and that used to be the, the, the corn source and also the, the, the water. Um, but the weather's still here and still very relevant because we have very hot summers, very cold winters, then we'll have a hot summer day right in the middle of a cold, cold winter. Um, so our weather fluctuations are crazy here, which is what causes that movement in and out of the barrel. Well, on top of the weather, with that building situated like it is, with the weather patterns, with all the windows, just by opening windows or opening, I'll call them shades, uh, some sort I'm gonna put in, just by opening and closing shades at different spots on that building, by opening them up a certain way, by opening certain doors if there's a lot of uh, wind going on, I can naturally change the climate inside that building to where we can make the extremes in there just incredible. Uh, and by doing that, we can really, I'm not going to say rapid aging, that's not the goal, but we can have so much movement and contact. That's the barrels. key. That's yeah. the key right now. And I'm like, the, I, I love your engineering mind as you think about all that stuff. I think there's such a connection to understand that that time frame in the next four to six to seven, eight years and what's going to play in that barrel is you've got so much to look forward to. Mm -hmm. You don't know what the end result's going to be because you're just moving shades up and down mm -hmm. and right. all those yeah. things. Yeah. That's going to be so much fun. Sure. sure. And and here you are, you're visiting a distillery one day and now you're pulling shades up and down. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's, and that's, that's always the end goal. Yeah, and that is the fun part. And one thing else we hit on is that, you know, a lot of folks, especially when you're first getting started with the distillery, everybody's biggest concern is, well, how do you, you're not going to know for years uh, whether it's any good. So how do you know that what you're making right now, you're doing it right? Well, good thing is, I didn't invent the industry. So there are certain, there are certain elements of making bourbon uh, that as long as you stay within those parameters, you're doing a good job. Uh, it doesn't mean you're going to get the best in the world, but if you stay in those parameters, okay, you're, you're, you're good. Well, here's how you know, yeah. because we're drinking it now. Yeah. And right. this has those same floral fruitinesses. Mm -hmm. Can I say fruitinesses? I, think I don't so. even know. I know you're in Kentucky. Every okay. word is fruitinesses. Is, is <laughs> well, pretty soon I'll be, um, I don't know, I'll be that orange stuff. Oh, you'll, be, <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be a mess when we get to that. But... I, I again the, that apple comes out more you get a lot of those um, you get a lot of the character of where you're going with the you can see mm -hmm. that tobacco you can see that leather mm -hmm. you can see those baking spices already here mm -hmm. so when you say how do you know after you sit on something for that amount of time look we met at the Keystone Rose and Rye distillation yeah. at George Washington's Mount Vernon mm -hmm. and we got to taste that white dog coming off the still and that experience for you from just understanding I, I think from there that helped you get a better idea of the new expansion and the stills you're going to make mm -hmm. but that's Absolutely. a whole different that was a whole different white spirit mm -hmm. but you still know that what was coming off that still at that time, mm -hmm. you absolutely know that's going to be amazing when it gets done absolutely. aging in those barrels. Right, and that's a whole other podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, 
was an amazing experience. Tune in next week. Yeah. Yes. Wow. So what you're drinking now, speaking of that, of what's going into the barrel now. So that's 124 proof. I gave you just a little bit to start with, and then I filled it so that you could actually get the nose on it. So this is the highly weeded bourbon mash. And it has those fruit notes, like you said. And it even has the, I get the grain. Right. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, there's a nice grain. grain. Yeah, there's a delicious grain here. Right. Which makes, it makes an incredible Bloody Mary. So toss the vodka out, try it with this. It is. That's a Muley Mary. Are you calling that a Muley Mary? Oh, so I didn't, I didn't, I didn't just trademark that? No? No. Oh, darn. (laughs) You thought you did. Okay. So you get that nice sweet finish because it's highly weeded, which is so surprising to most people that taste it. And most people don't drink that much, by the way. But what I was going to tell you is to circle back. Yeah, here, we just we had we just had a whole sixteen ounce. We had a whole sixteen ounce pour. <laughs> yeah. So you know, talking about your your last podcast that you did with Tiffany, um, who is the the drinking the coach. Drinking coach. Oh my goodness, I loved and I listened to it twice because she said so many things that resonate, especially with this product. So she said she likes to surprise people with a cocktail that, with something in it they weren't expecting. And she loves hibiscus and, and all of those wonderful things. I made a couple, after hearing the podcast a couple days ago, I made a couple yesterday a whiskey punch using this Muhlenberg Silver Mule 124 proof. And in it, it has pineapple juice, a little bit of simple syrup, lemon juice, and the Silver Mule, which is 124 proof. And it's... There's a mule on it for a reason. It kicks. Because it will kick your ass. There's a kick to it. So I made that for them, but I didn't tell them what was in it, and they'd already done the tasting and decided that this was not, the silver mule was not their product. Made them a cocktail in here while they were doing a tasting with Amy. When they came in, I handed it to them and said, this is on the house. And they just raved over it. And I said, that's silver mule. They bought two bottles. (laughs) (laughs) So that surprising Mm -hmm. thing, and had I not heard Tiffany talk about that, I wouldn't have done that. I am. I'm humbled. Thank you. Well, I, thank you for I, no. I mean, I, but experience to me and for Dawn, it's it's about the conversations, about the people we meet. This is our fermented adventure. Sure. And look, I, I would love to have you know the Joe Rogan size audience or you know Tim Ferriss or things like that. But if one person gets impacted, sure. and then look what happens. Right. Now I just help you guys sell two bottles. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We'll, we'll work on a case next. <laughs> We'll let you know. So what's next for us to try? Right, what, so which way are you taking us next? We're going to go to the... So that I love the colors, by the way. This, this, this wonderful purple on that one. We're Black going berry. to the Blackberry. All right. So, Kim, I have to ask, because you have a NASCAR background. Yes. When will we see the label for... When will we see the NASCAR... What was your number? Oh, I had many numbers. You had many numbers. Yeah. Okay. So what was your, what was your most... The, the number you like driving under the like when so sometimes when I go out to the parking mm-hmm. lot, I have a blue car mm-hmm. and I end up going to the wrong blue car. Yeah. Did you end up going to the wrong car because of the wrong number? <laughs> Does that ever happen? It didn't. No, it, that didn't happen. Okay. Um, but <laughs> color, color will will surprise you because mm-hmm. you get you go you think you see your car lined up on pit road before the race and you walk towards that car and then you remember oh I qualified this number so it can't be up there. Okay. But you're walking towards mm-hmm. that that. That, that color. color because we're trained as drivers when they put our pit sign down you know there are 43 used to be 43 cars coming down pit road sometimes at the same time and you look for the color of your car on your pit sign with your number on it 
So you learn to look for the color of your car. Well, when they change your car, your car color uh, over the weekend. Yeah, it's a mess. It's a mess. So yeah, just a, there's a whole other world. I would. You're going fast. <laughs> yeah. I. You have to make that decision in a split <laughs> second. Yeah. So there's so much to equate to the NASCAR of what you do mm-hmm. to distilling today, because you may start to decide on a split second mm-hmm. that you've got enough of. You know, you've gotten out of the heads, you're in the hearts, you want to leave some of those flavors in the tails. So that's that split second decision that you have to make. Right. And you can't miss it. If you do, you're like, I'm going to pick it up. You make another lap and it's behind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, or it becomes hand sanitizer or something. Right. No more of that, I hope. All right. So what I'm hearing you say that that label is is maybe in the works. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Okay. I, I am talking to some other people in the industry. Um, that are interested in us doing some stuff for them. So we'll see what happens. Okay. All right. You, it's a scoop. You heard part of the answer here. There may be more coming. There may be more coming. <laughs> yeah. There's always more coming. Always more. There's always more to the story. So this is the 71 proof Blackberry. We left it 71 proof because we want you to use it as a cocktail mixer. Which is also why the Silver Mule is 124 I'll proof. Tell you, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll share. Okay. Because we still have to go yeah. somewhere. <laughs> Right. And I've still saved some of my. I still save some of my, um, my the 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 cinder and smoke. All right. So this is a blackberry mule whiskey. I have to tell you, and we've had a lot of, we've had a lot of moonshine. Um, the fact that you're doing flavored whiskeys this way, to me, that even is something more where you're planting your flag and you're standing out more. Now, in the industry, we have had flavored whiskeys. Sure, and sure. there are, you know, Tennessee whiskeys that are flavored and bourbon whiskey. Well, it's not bourbon, but, you know, whiskeys that are flavored. So that that, that you're doing this, I, I really love the way you've, you've done that approach. I really and, do. And we want to be able to point back to not only the future bourbons that we release but also go we want to track it all the way back to the silver mule mm-hmm. and say this is what comes off the still so all of our flavored Muhlenbergs all of our bourbons in the future that are the weeded ones that are under the Muhlenberg label we can point to exactly how it all started and what's in there mm-hmm. and we've we, we want to be able to continue mm-hmm. to do that mm-hmm. and if it starts off good then the rest of it should follow mm-hmm. soon start with a good basin bill from there there's such a creamy note mm-hmm. that comes off this first i was expecting to get because this was 124 this is, proof this is 124 this but is but you knocked it down to 71 but i'm still expecting that mm-hmm. higher kick to it right and it's it's subtle mm-hmm. it's creamy it's blueberry it's blackberry it's ber- there's a lot of, i mean Bitterness. i get blueberry i get blackberry mm-hmm. I feel like who's that? Um, Veruca? Who who became the one in the Wonka thing that she turned purple? Oh, oh uh, Violet, Violet, Violet Beauregard. Violet. So if I start to turn purple, just roll me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does have a it has a little blueberry flavor, a little blackberry flavor. It does. Mm-hmm. It it the blackberry hits you first, mm-hmm. and then it trails into more of like that blueberry mm-hmm. sweetness to it. Yeah. Wow. So you mentioned cocktails. Yeah. What cocktail do you make out of this? So uh, Amy and I just uh, last year in August we went to Whiskey Business in Grand Rapids. We were the opening to welcome cocktail, and there were around two thousand people there. And we were the most popular cocktail all night. People continued to come back to our table to get refills. Um, and we were there with some heavy hitters. And they would come over and say, what are you guys giving away over here? And they would have a cocktail and fell in love with it as well. And it was the Blackberry Blood Orange Cocktail. And it is any, the Blackberry with anything citrus is exquisite. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm going to 
all your favorite children now. Yeah, you are. And, well, uh, yeah, it's hard to pick a favorite. And, and how did you decide, all right, I'm going to make yeah. blackberry, I'm going to do salted caramel. How did you decide these were the flavors that you were going to do? It really came down to, well, this apple pie has a different story. but Because everybody said, make an apple pie, apple, make an apple pie. Everybody was just saying, okay, fine, we'll try it. Try it. Um, so with with it, basically, it's, it's stuff that either people have requested to the point that we go out and try some mm-hmm. and see if it's any good, or it's stuff that we ended up trying just randomly at a friend's house and said, hey, we kind of like where that's going. We may not care much for their version of it, but... Um, and we didn't like any other version of apple pie out there. We just right. did not like it. So I, I love to cook, and I said, if we're going to make an apple pie, we're going to make an apple pie that tastes like the whole damn pie. Crust, butter, everything in an apple pie will be in the bottle. And we worked on it about 17 different recipes until we got it right. Okay. She, I was happy at the 12th recipe. I thought, this is great because, I, 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 like she said, we've never cared a lot for the apple pie moonshines or whiskeys that we've tried, at least. A lot of them tasted like apple juice with some alcohol poured in. And, and we thought, we're not going to do that. But by the 12th try, I thought, wow, I think this is really great. Well, she wasn't happy. Five more and we got it. This one, um, we've, won, we've actually won pretty good awards with all of these. Uh, we, we didn't mention the ones on the previous one, but this one in uh, Fred Minnick's inaugural Ascot Awards last year, uh, we won the uh, we won the category for Best Flavored Whiskey. Wow. So we got the double platinum. Here's old... Oh, that's amazing. There's old Fred. There's Fred. So that's our apple pie right there. You can try it now. Oh, I can try it now? Yeah, go for oh, it. I got yeah, scolded yeah, there for a second. And we always recommend people, you know, just like you do, you sip it a little bit. Um... 58.8 proof on that. All right. I, I, it's like this ever. We're going to do this whole Wonka theme show now. <laughs> Let's do it. It's like the everlasting gobstopper. Oh, oh I t- yeah. there's the crust that came through. That's it. I get the um, the filling, the cinnamon. There's ice cream on top. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Kudos to you. And that's, and that's that's all her because she. we both agreed on what it had to be, but she being a fantastic, just phenomenal cook. Um, and knowing exactly what she wants, uh, she just kept hammering at it. Like mm-hmm. it, uh, I was, I was happy before she was. Wow. Uh, we're it, we're thrilled with it. Absolutely I thrilled. wonder how, as you talked about that, I wonder how much that wheat, that grain in the whiskey, mm-hmm. helps to contribute to right. getting that crust, that 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 buttery side of things too. Yeah, and I was I was concerned about that because the wheat is so forward on the silver mule. Um, in some drinks, it just doesn't work because it's so grain forward. So I was concerned about mixing the fruits, the fruits with it. But it, like you said, it gives that that hearty taste in the background. Maybe the the buttery crust. I, so, all right, Fred has his Ascot Award. So, Fermented Adventure, we're going to do our Pocket Square Awards. I don't know. I just <laughs> I, I there do. you go. Love it. Okay, <laughs> do it. Do it. I don't know. We'll see what the, the attorneys are now. Getting, we're getting sued by Fred Minnick. I don't know. <laughs> now, he's an easygoing guy. All right, salted caramel. Salted caramel. All right, here we go. This is 30 proof. So, so this is course. when you come to the bar. This is what people are yes. going to expect. Now, yep. you've got you got weddings going on here at some point. You've got that big, wonderful room, the, the gymnasium. Um, you've got food trucks coming here. Uh, so talk about some of the food trucks that, that, that show up and, and, and feed the people and play off of your spirits. Um, one of my favorites is a local family uh, called Unk's Barbecue, and they pull up with a huge outdoor cooker. And I have never seen so much meat on one cooker. They do... Yeah. If it basically walks on the earth, they'll put it on the on the cooker. Wow. 
and it's every piece that they make is phenomenal. And we have other trucks that, that come here fairly often when we have an event. Uh, what, what Clucks and Pups? Clucks and Pups. Oh, it's, it's a new one. Yeah. Uh, but there's a couple other ones as well. I'm it's assuming just, that's chicken hot dogs, or yes. okay. Yes. <laughs> No, <laughs> no. <laughs> You're in Kentucky now. All right. Yeah. Well, that's why I had to ask. Being from, you know, being yeah. a Yankee and all that stuff. But, but what we have found, and I think it is, we have found that these these spirits that we make. Because I'm, I'm also one. This is just me. Whether I'm drinking beer or anything, I don't want something that I just drink by itself. I, I like having things with a meal, which means I like whiskeys and liqueurs and 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 stuff like that that I can drink with a meal if I want. So I think that the weeded really lends itself to that very readily. Um, so yeah, we do have people that are out there getting some barbecue or some or some fried chicken, and they'll come in and get a cocktail or just get some straight blackberry, and it's just it just all goes together. As you took us through the tour of your campus, um, you mentioned the the waterfall that we're going to have here mm-hmm. and the, yeah. the 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 death defying kayaking That's it. that <laughs> you said we're going to have. Um, but you also talked about you're going to have. You know, this is going to be a venue for live music. Yes. Sure. Where does that, in, in your mind, I mean, is that based on, again, does that come from seeing what other distilleries are doing? I mean, we went to um, Log Cabin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. wow. Logstill. Yeah. Logstill, thank right. you. Yeah. Logstill. Yeah. We went to Lincoln's Log Cabin. We went to Logstill <laughs> Distillery. Right, right, right. See, I'm already getting my, my mule kicked in right. right there. Thank it you. Happens. It happens. But that seems to be that next generation of what, the Kentucky distillers, the bourbon distillers are doing to really make this a destination space. Well, talk about the musical heritage sure. of and, and, there, and there's Perfect two, Yeah, there's two aspects to that. One, you're absolutely right. Uh, it's not enough to just be a distillery. You want to be a destination. You want people to uh, come and have a good time, have lots of things to do and stay for a while. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Music history. I just was tasting this while you're doing it. Holy cow. I I don't want to say this. But what you just did, uh-huh. that those bourbon creams, yeah. you just put that like in a whole. It, oh my god! It's like you. this is, wow! Yeah. Yeah. Holy it's in coffee and hot chocolate. I can't have that much dairy, but I would be drinking yeah. the heck out of that thing. Wow, this works nice oh in a cup while you're driving down the road too, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> And we do wow. have a lot of people that put that uh, that uh, salted caramel in their coffee, coffee in the morning. Yes. And we say, well, okay, at 30 proof, you're good. Yeah. As long as you'll have oh, one yeah. cup of coffee. Now, how long is this shelf stable for? Uh, it's uh, We put on here. Is just, this cold? <laughs> oh, is this cold forever? Let's put it this way. We have some that's been opened in our refrigerator now for a year and a half. And it's still as good as it was the, the first day. Mm-hmm. But I think we put on here to please consume within six months of okay. opening. Most people consume it within one night. So yeah. it's not that big of a concern. I could see us. that happening yeah. pretty soon. But no, pretty it, quickly. Lasts, it lasts for lasts for a pretty good while. Uh, all right, mute I don't want to get too far up. Mule and I, I just I'm sorry, you, I'm squirrel, you know. Oh my god. Uh, Mule Muhlenberg. There you go. Um <laughs> Muhlenberg has a wonderful uh, musical history or musical heritage. It certainly does. Uh, we have uh, some names that people have thought of. Uh, John Prine is one. His family's from here, considered this his home. Uh, and if you've never heard of John Prine, that's okay. But he is uh, he was essentially one of Bob Dylan's favorite artists and, and songwriters. Uh, the Everly Brothers called Muhlenberg County home, so the Everly Brothers are from here. Um, we Merle Travis, who invented thumb picking, which is most guitarists try to do at one point or another. Um, uh, he invented that and, and uh, he's done here. If you've ever heard this, the old uh, song, uh, kind of a bluegrass country song, 16 Tons, 
if yeah, what do debt, you get? Yeah, you know, another day older and deeper in debt. That's right. the one that was okay. written. That was written by Merle Travis about the coal mines here in this in this county. Now um, that's part of the heritage here too. Right. What you said was that there are houses across the street mm-hmm. that the gentleman, Mr. Graham, mm-hmm. that owned well, Mr. Duncan. Mr. Duncan. Yeah. His, His middle, middle name was Graham. Graham. Graham owned the land. He had uh, there's a coal area coal mine mm-hmm. and so he the the um, employees he built houses for them mm-hmm. five dollars a month was that i think so yeah. five dollars a month wow and then he built these schools mm-hmm. to educate the families correct yeah and uh, a lot of people when they think of kentucky and coal they think of the appalachian mountains which obviously is full of coal but you don't hear as much about the western kentucky coal field which is just as known known just as much for its coal uh at one point muhlenberg county was the highest coal producer in Kentucky, and at that time, Kentucky was the highest coal-producing spot on the planet. So um, there's been a lot of coal brought out of this town, um, and it, it was the chief economy for a long, long time. Uh, now it's, it's essentially completely gone. Um, which which is, is why the school closed. Yeah, well, well, they, they they built new schools is one reason why they closed this school, but um, it, it's caused a lot of issues. When the coal disappeared uh, due to you know, just a general business, but also just because of the way that, that things are evolving. Um, the industry, when it when it disappeared here, it disappeared quickly, and we're still reeling from it because uh, generations of, 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 of families would work in coal, and now there's none to speak of. I would area. imagine this area was a very thriving, prosperous area because you had all those bowling alleys, support businesses. in this little tiny town. Wow. Yeah, across the street and down right the road, the road here, yeah. here and there. I mean, it was this, entire, this entire area was, uh, at the time, there was no concern about ever having to do anything else except work in the coal mines. And then uh, the world caught up. Do you recognize your place in the rebirth of Muhlenberg in this town? Absolutely. That's cool. We absolutely do. That's this. That is the reason that we chose this spot and not anywhere else. We could have gone to Bardstown and opened a distillery, but we would have been one of how many? Um, and Tom really wanted to do something to help revitalize this community that was that's his home. Yeah, and like she said, this is home, and uh, I've seen it. We've always been, uh, you know what you commonly think of as your poor rural America, which you know, we love. You're out in the country, love everything about it, but when you see that there, there's issues with finding jobs, with creating jobs, with improving the infrastructure, and then as the kids are graduating from school now, have, they have to leave the county, they have to go away. Um, so you just see the area slowly die, and we, we are trying to be a part of the solution, trying to introduce new things to the county, bring people to this area to see how wonderful it is and also bring their money and spend it and start talking about Muhlenberg County again. Uh, you know, we talk about our musical history that we're also trying to bring back, uh, not just us, but there are other people in the county doing the same thing. Um, and we're, we're saying, you know, folks are very interested in this. They're interested in this music. They want a place to go that's not downtown Nashville, uh, that's not Branson. Where else is there? Well, when John Prine influenced Bob Dylan, and the Everly Brothers influenced the Beatles. Um, Merle Travis has influenced every guitar player. Uh, Bill Monroe, who invented bluegrass, is from about 30 miles down the road. Um, So essentially, almost all popular music originated right here in Muhlenberg County. We can turn this into a mecca. We just got to play our part. And one of those things is, first of all, get people to come in here to, to do things let them know that we're here, uh, create the venues, which that's what this is going to be. There are other venues cropping up. 
and then just creating a group of people together who are going to draw that music in and also help with the heritage. Uh, Kim and I are very fortunate to also be on the board of a new nonprofit called the Muhlenberg Music Mission. Um, and our goal is to provide uh, instruments and musical training to free of uh, charge. Yeah, free of charge. Uh, to kids that are, you know, don't quite have the resources to go get that education, but are interested in their own musical heritage and the heritage of this county. So we are uh, trying to build this nonprofit so that we can really bring that musical heritage back. Um, and any way that the distillery can play a role in that, we're absolutely thrilled to be able to do it. That's amazing. It's incredible because people don't understand and recognize, yes, it's a distillery. But you are a catalyst for so much change. You both have so much vision. I, I, it's like it's infectious. It's like it's overflowing. Even when we were going around the campus, and we're going to put this here and this here and this here and this here, and I can see it as you're mm -hmm. describing it. But what you see now, mm -hmm. it's like you said. You know, the roof is leaking, and we got to shore up these walls. Right. And right, right now, but you're producing amazing spirits. And we haven't even had this orange one yet. I was I was nosing that, and this smells like a push pop. It's it's uh -huh. it's like that. You know, I, I can hear. You got to get the. Doo -doo 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 -doo. Yeah. You know, you got to get that going when you pour it. <laughs> we, should, we should play that every time. You know, um, it's just a wonderful. I have to say, it's a bright orange, which I think sometimes could be like, wow, what is that? Like, yeah. um, that that could be something more medicinal mm -hmm. in a way. Right. But. Uh, Here's my orange, orange sickle. Orange sickle? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yep. Or the creamsicle. Creamsicle. That's it. Yeah. You'll see a picture of it on the back. Oh, I didn't even realize. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. So we didn't, of course, we didn't call it creamsicle because that's a trademark. Right. right. But orange cream is, is yeah. a good descriptor of it. So. Wow. But that's basically what it is. If you. It just brought me back to my childhood. Yes. Yeah, that, that's it. And the, you know, the the creamsicle with the, with the um, vanilla ice cream in the middle is what what we think of. But we also have a lemonade slushy that we make, and when you combine this oh, with wow. the lemonade slushy, mm -hmm. it is the orange push-up pop. Huh. It is ridiculously the same the same flavor. See, this is why I saved the bourbon though, there you go. Mm -hmm. and there you go. I'm gonna I, not why, but it just happens that way. Because yeah. I'm thinking, wow, I can't wait to add this a little bit of bourbon to this. And and well, let's see what you think about that concoction you just made, then we'll talk about that further. I, I think a lot of good things. <laughs> I thought you would. I, I think that you guys need to. The bed and breakfast is across the street? Uh -huh. Okay, yeah. so I'll, can we, well, yeah, can we, we be your friend? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so you're going to have you have a, a house across the street mm -hmm. that you're going to use as a bed and breakfast. Right. This is really going to. You mentioned that you're. Um, you, you, you create a place where um, people with RVs mm -hmm. can come and park and stay overnight too? Yeah, well, we're members of Harvest Host, which is a, a group where people who, who travel a lot in RVs and campers, uh, if they're members of Harvest Host, then basically they get to stay at distilleries, wineries, breweries, uh, stay in the parking lot for free for one night. And all that we ask is that they just come peruse uh, the, the gift shop, take a tour, uh, you know, instead of paying for a, a rental spot somewhere for the night. You know, hopefully come in and spend your money with us and have a good memory and send some good things to take home with you. Well, come in, grab seven different bottles because you're going <laughs> to yeah, want them, right? And you. and enjoy your time here. And, you know, you put a little couple Adirondack chairs out in front. Sure, you yeah. just and toast. And trucks will be by. And yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and to your point about just mixing our bourbon with our orange cream, we also have created these products so that you can actually mix and match them together. 
just like what you just did. Uh, we haven't had too many do that one with the with the cinder smoke along with with that. However, there are lots of different combinations. That, Kim, if you want to tell them about that. The blackberry and the orange cream together Ooh. is phenomenal. The blackberry and the uh, salted caramel taste like a blackberry cobbler if you mix them together. If you mix the salted caramel and the apple pie together, um, oh it's like a salted, salted caramel, caramel. It's like a caramel apple a from, the, from the fair. Yeah. What? Any kind of um, other flavors in the works? Any uh, items that might be coming down the road? Maybe for the spring and summer? Well, uh, for the for the summer. Now, as far as our Muhlenberg line goes, uh, if you look with our orange cream, it even says on the label it is a summer only release. So this one is only available in the summer. Uh, so the first day of, of summer, I think, is June twenty second this year. Maybe uh, that's when Not it will. Not soon enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I agree. That's when that will be available. And then the last right, June twenty second. Get people here. And not just here. You'll be able to order it online as well. Oh, no. Come here. Wait. Well, please, oh, we, trust me. We prefer for you to come here. But do, but do order online. That's a, that's a good question. So where do you ship to right now? We can ship to all, but well, we can ship to 41 places, 41 states. Um, and I can give you the list of where we can ship Look on the to. web. Look on the website. Yeah. Look on your website. Yeah. That would be a great place yeah. to go. Right. So if you'd like to try these items you're not shipping internationally yet not yet um but yes definitely check out the website so you can purchase some of these things online right. and have them shipped our, our centered smoke is available now our Muhlenberg products will be uh, available for purchase online very very soon as soon as we can get a few more things lined out uh but yeah uh, that's Models our mainly yeah so that's so that's <laughs> our summer only release uh which we we refer to our orange cream as our mcrib uh <laughs> basically you better grab it when it comes out and Throw some in the freezer. Yeah. Oh, I thought maybe you were saying there are no real, there, it's all artificial and there's no real, there's no real meat in there. But it no, <laughs> it does. No, all right. But this is all real. It's all natural. Yes. There's cream in there. Yes. There's orange in there. There's but, sickle in there. Yeah, there everything. Right. Yeah. yeah, the sickle was the hardest part. Yeah, we only use all natural ingredients. All natural we, don't use, we don't use anything. Uh, anything fake in our flavors because that comes through in mm-hmm. and that's why these flavor, are so yeah. good yeah is there anything we haven't talked about on the podcast that you want to let people know about um just uh with new products uh we're we do have a few that are coming out but they're mainly revolving around our cinder and smoke uh we will have hopefully this summer uh, as, soon, as soon as the barrels let us know they're ready to empty it up uh we want to have a uh, cinder and smoke uh finished oloroso cask uh, that should be coming out this year. We will have a 16-year cinder and smoke that will be coming out probably before Christmas this year. There won't be much of that at all because uh, that's it's the last of the Mohicans. There's not much left of it. Um, I mean, these barrels, we're talking 16 years, and there's 20 gallons in each one. That's all we've got in each barrel that's left. There's only, what, five barrels, I think, something like that. Um, so we will have a 16-year. We'll have the finishing Oloroso. Um, what else? What's the other one that we're working on? We, we have... Two honey barrels that we might play around with. But honey barrels, it's not, a, it's not a barrel that had honey in it. No. It's two barrels that are extremely young, but for whatever reason, they taste incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're debating whether we want to go ahead and let people try it or if we just want to keep monitoring it and say, wow, those are incredible barrels. Um, but that's it. We got a few other things we're working on, not ready to release talking about those yet. Here's what I can say coming. to you guys. I mean, what you're putting out, this is the. I think a lot of times people are like, okay, that, that's what you have, but what's coming next, right? Right. I mean, but I'm, I resonate with your creativity. And when you're hitting it out of the park on every single thing you're releasing, these are the things you want to come to and try now. I mean, yeah. look, you're the western side of the craft bourbon trail, the Kentucky bourbon trail. You're an hour and a half 
west of Bardstown. Right. There are a couple other distilleries to do in the area. This is definitely, most certainly worth the trip. You you. are not going to be disappointed. You are not going to be let down. You are going to need to have a bigger trunk (laughs) because you're going to want to take stuff with you back because these are just so worth it to share with friends and to show off when you do. I am so glad, and I have to thank Steve Bayshore for bringing us together. And that experience with you both and watching you work together and just... Um, the the attention to detail that I saw back when we were at Mount Vernon's distillery, now I understand what it is. There's such an attention to detail as to everything you're doing here on the campus. For Dawn and I, we're grateful for this time. Thanks for the birthday. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much. We can't wait. We, I, I, we can't wait to see this this your little, hey, we're going on a date to Maker's Mark, and then this becomes the bard, and now... You know, just all the great things that you guys are putting together. This is wonderful. Well, thank you. We have a lot of big things in the works for this year, uh, big expansions, uh, more events going on now that hopefully COVID may be going in the direction we all hope it does. Uh, we, we plan on this year being a big, big, big year for us. Well, thanks, guys. Thank you for having us. Thank we, you. We really Tom and Kim Bard, the Bard Distillery, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks.